There's a problem in today's society where Christians find churches that best suit how they view God. <laughs> Can I say it for the people in the back? There's a lot of Christians today that go to churches that suit their view of God. If it don't fit right, it ain't the right place to grow. If it don't feel good, it ain't the right place. Can I tell you, we're not living off feelings, we're living off faith. God's always speaking. It's probably a listening problem. It's probably a, a sensitivity issue. It's probably a focus issue. A lot of people come into the church and they're new in Christ and out of nowhere they get this weird spiritual zen vibe on them. Like, I need to go grow in like the forest, like a tree. And this house doesn't have good enough water. I need to go to another house to get better branches and and I want to spread my roots out deep into the ground. You're way too spiritual, bro. Relax. Jesus was a carpenter, not a magician. He was a regular human being while also being God. So we're in a series. And listen, tonight, listen, tonight's for you. Every night is for you. But you make it for you by your expectation and your open heart. But if we're going to close our hearts and close the doors to our mind and our soul, I mean, it's just going to be a bad teaching. But what I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to dive into Scripture again. Last week, uh, so we're in Jesus Wept series. This is week two. Last week we said Jesus Wept part one. We called it the what? Heart of God. So anybody taking notes in church? We take notes. In my small group, we talk about what happens on Tuesday night, so we, we have like uh, like 15 minutes of open discussion where everyone just talks about their favorite idea from Tuesday, and it's always awesome, it's really cool, it's really fun. Um, that part is kind of hard to do if you don't take notes, because <laughs> you're like, I felt good in the beginning, I don't remember what happened, but it felt good. And I cried at the end, but I don't remember what you said, but it was funny, and then I cried. And that was my favorite part. <laughs> take some notes, all right, take some notes. The only way you remember is if you remember, all right? So take some notes. So this, this, this sermon, this sermon, Jesus wept, part two. This sermon, I call it, Find Peace in the Pieces. Find peace in the pieces. We're in John, we're in the book of John, the gospel according to John, right? When you look at the first four gospels of the New Testament, the first four books, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels, meaning they kind of all based out of Mark, and Mark is Peter's gospel, so uh, Matthew and Luke are looking at Peter's gospel, which is actually Mark, because he penned it, and he put it together, and they're looking at it, and they're seeing, okay, how did, how, how, how did Mark kind of form this? Because I'm, I'm going to write Matthew, and, and Luke's like, I'm going to write mine and, and give my perspective of Jesus in his life and give details to reveal a truth to the church and to reveal who he is. And, and everything you read has an intention in the Bible. Do you understand that? If you open the Bible and say, Lord, just speak to me. And Judas hung himself. Okay, now it's time to commit. No, that's not time to do that. You got to understand the context of what you are reading. Understand what's going on. Who's writing it. And good, this is you. It's not God. <laughs> Emotion. We got to get into the context of what's going on. And when you read the book of John, right? And I hope we're all reading John. We said last week, we're going to jump into John. Listen, the book of John is written to reveal two truths. This is John, like his, his foundation of this book, John. First of all, it's 90% unique than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is 90% unique. 10% repeat some of the same stories. But a lot of the stuff, Jesus is being presented as, as not just man, but fully God and fully man. 
So he's divine. So the bottom premise of this book is the divinity of Christ. And then you have his, his, his bottom premise of this book is that Jesus is grace and that Jesus is love. You guys with me? So we're in the book of John and we're studying how Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Can I give you my first point tonight? God gives you the step-by-step -step knowing the entire plan. Find peace in the pieces. Because God gives you step-by-step -step knowing the entire plan. We said last week, Jesus loves you like he didn't see the pain that hit you coming. Because he cries with you. And usually when you know something's happening like a surprise, if you're aware of the surprise before it happened, it, sent, it, it sometimes desensitizes you. If I know that there's a party that's waiting for me to walk through the doors, I'm going to walk in and not be as shocked. What's funny is that Jesus knew that, that this guy would die and he still cried. So God gives you the step-by-step -step knowing the whole plan, but he loves you like he's with you step-by-step. Find peace in the pieces. God doesn't give you this big block of information. He gives you pieces. And that's why some of us are frustrated. We can't do church long enough because it ain't clear enough. And God's like, if I was clear, you'll take my word and bend it and twist it. So instead of giving you clarity, sometimes I got to give you tension. Sometimes I got to say, I can do anything you ask me to, dot, 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 if it's according to my will. You feel the tension. I can give you anything you ask for. And you're like, oh, man, I'm going to stop reading the Bible right there. God can do anything that he, we ask. Oh, we'll stop reading the Bible. Man, that's a pool. Man, that's, a, that's, a, that's an eight-pack. I'm praying anything, right? Any, you say anything. Supermodel wife. Hello. Already got that. Hello, fiance. We here. Uh, hold up. I want, the big, I want the big car. I want the big house. God, give it to me. Give it to me. And God's like, I'll give you anything you ask, dot, 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 according to my will. Do you feel the tension? God gives you the step-by-step step knowing the entire plan. Now, what happens when the children of God get too spoiled? And God's peace isn't enough. And God's word for you today. And God's message for you today. And God's message to your heart and your soul is just it's bouncing off. What happens when you're not satisfied with the peace? Can I tell you, a lot of people are stressed in fear, have anxiety, or in depression because they're stressed with the pieces that God's given them. I want to switch your perspective tonight. Find peace in the pieces. This is how God works. God's like a GPS. Can we throw a picture up? You see, the left image, my left, is how we want God to show us our life. We want God to show us the whole journey with multiple ways to get there the quickest. Show me everything. Show me when I'm, show me how I die. Show me what turn I take at 30. Show me, show me everything, God, if you're real. God, don't work like that. You, you, you know what happens if you were to understand all this? You would be God. And what's shocking people is that what's frustrating your, your relationship with God is that you're not him. So we're looking at God, God, give me this, and God's giving you turn by turn and 0.3 miles. Dump that dude. <laughs> you got to let him go. Hey, and one mile, mama, you got to take a stop and breathe. You see, if I told you to plan, you'd look at yourself sprinting and think, and think that you could sprint now. No, you can't sprint now. You don't know how to breathe correctly yet. If I showed you what was to happen later, you'll mess it all up. 
Yo, if you told me when I was 13, hey, come here, here, come here. Yeah, you, come here. Big old head. In 10 years, you're going to be a youth pastor, and uh, you're going to lead a young adult ministry, and it's going to be nuts. At 12, I'd be like, what? I would have jacked it all up. I would not be here if I knew I would be here. I wouldn't be here. I would have took myself way too seriously in Sunday school. I would have, I would have been prideful. I would have been the dude with the big head saying, God's got a plan. God's got a church for me. God's got it. And I never would have understood hard work. And I never would have understood that this 410 youth and young adults across three campuses is going to start with 36. And are you going to love the 36 before you get to the three? Sick. Can y'all hear tonight? If God gives you this, you wouldn't go anywhere. He gives you this because you're not God. You're creation. Find peace in that. Find peace in that. Find peace in that. Even when God gives prophecies, he gives like bits of information. It's like, I don't even know what that is. Like there was a prophecy given to my family years ago and what was promised died, like literally died, like literally died. And it's one of those moments where you're like, God, you said that, but I guess you were wrong. And then years later, what was dead came back to life. Even when God's word isn't a full picture, it's just it's a bit of information that'll make sense later. Next idea, he knows it and doesn't reveal it all to you because you can't handle it. You cannot handle it. You cannot handle it. My next idea, he doesn't give you an image. He gives you the pieces. You got my puzzle? Make some noise for Ellie on one time. I don't know that was tongues or what. <laughs> this isn't Instagrammable right here. This ain't gonna get no likes. It's like half of Mickey's face. Like what? But man, but this is a part of something so much more big. It doesn't make sense right now. It's just a piece. But God wants you to find peace with the pieces. If he's giving it to you, trust that there's a bigger purpose. There's, and this is what your prayer feels like. You guys with me? John eleven fourteen. Jesus tells them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. If I'm a disciple, I'm looking at Jesus. Are you emo, bro? Here's my question if I'm a disciple. Jesus, how can a man dying make you glad for me? I was a disciple. Immediately when Jesus says that, I'd be like, whoa, that's a little weird. What's going on? You gave me a piece. I don't understand what it, what, what's going on. How can a man dying make you glad for me? How, 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 can, how can my mom having cancer in any way bring joy to God? How? How can God's children being in need excite God. How can that even happen? How can that happen? Can I tell you how it happens? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how a man dying could bring 
words to Jesus' mouth that he says he's glad for it. But notice, don't, don't switch this up. God's not glad about Lazarus dying. God's glad that I'm witnessing it. He's glad I'm witnessing it. This is a disciple, right, in the moment. He's glad I'm witnessing it because I'm about to see who he is. I'm about to believe. And sometimes what causes me to believe is when something incredible happens. Sometimes for me to believe, I have to be in need for God to fill that need. Sometimes for me, and we all work different, right? But sometimes for us, for you and me, we need God to just like do some stuff, allow stuff to happen, allow that relationship to fall, allow things to happen. And we don't know why he does it, but we know that he is good and that he is God. My next idea is this. Listen, there is a tension to prayer. Have you ever prayed before? God, where are you? God, where are you? God, I've been asking. There's a tension because you're praying with a piece. You're not praying with a picture. And you'll never, ever pray with an image. You'll pray with a piece. And God, I don't know why this piece came into my picture, but it's going to make sense one day. And I don't know why I'm going through this, God. I've been praying for it to go away. I've been praying for it to go away. I've been praying for it to go away. And maybe you might not change this. Maybe you might change my perspective on this piece. There's a tension to prayer. There's a tension. And maybe that's why some of us are afraid of prayer, because it's not easy. There's a tension to prayer. There's this realistic view of God when you're praying and you're like slowly realizing who he is and realizing how small your situation is. You're slowly elevating him and who he is and giving him glory. And what you are about, about to bring to his feet isn't even big anymore because you realize just how big he was. There's a tension to prayer. When you finish the prayer and you don't know if God will do it, you don't know God if, if he won't do it, but you got this faith. You got this tension in you. It takes tension to believe that God can do something crazy. And it takes you praying through tension and not giving up because it gets awkward and it gets weird. It's tense, it's tense, it's tense. If you run from everything tense in your life, you'll never grow. I tell my leaders all the time, listen, leadership is tough conversations. That's what, it's, that's what it is. Leadership is tough conversations. There's a tension to prayer. God's not speaking to me. I can't hear God. Some of the young adults, I can't hear him. He's not here. He's not in this church. He's not speaking loud enough. He's not. God didn't DM me yet. I don't know what's going on. Can I give you two answers of why probably God's not answering your prayers? Can I give you two answers? I got a preacher answer and I got a pastor answer. I'm going to give you the preacher one first because preachers is preaching. They bounce. Pastors stay in the deal with the bomb. You know what I mean? I'm going to give you a little bit of both. Here's my preacher answer. Answer. Preacher answer. There's attention to prayer. What happened when God's not hearing me? No, no, no. God gives an answer that we don't want to hear. That's probably the answer. That's my preacher answer. God, why is my girlfriend so annoying? Why? Oh, God, if you could just straighten her up. Uh, and God's like, yo, the issue here is really you, bro. I'm on her side, bro. What happens when you're praying for God to grow your girlfriend when God's actually trying to grow you? He gives an answer you don't want to hear. And it's not that God's not speaking. He says, you don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. It's her. It's her. It's them. It's her. It's them. And you'll never grow. And you'll never understand humility. And you'll never end up married. Because you know marriage is actually serving somebody for the rest of your life.
It's not that God's not answering. Sometimes it's just not the answer you want to know. Sometimes Some of y'all know the answer of what your issue is, and you're just waiting for God to say, you know the answer. Gives you an answer you don't want to hear. That's the preacher answer. Can I give you the pastor answer? Both are right. Don't get it twisted. There's attention to prayer. Number one, God sometimes is not speaking what he is. You're not listening. Number two, God sometimes doesn't give an answer because God withholds his answer to draw us further into relationship. You don't understand what you being in need does to your life. It puts you on your knees. You don't understand what having someone in the hospital feels like. It puts you on your knees. And can I be honest with you? There's the Spirit talking right now. God likes you when you're praying. God likes, let me do me. God likes me when I'm praying. I'm way more humble. I got way more patience for people when I'm praying. I think the best version of myself is when I'm in need because I'm on my knees. I think if God looks at us, he's looking at you saying, who wants me? Because I'll do something crazy in your life. And sometimes God's not giving you an answer because he wants you to follow him down the hole. He's going to say, yo, you've been trying to get the answer, and the whole time you're trying to get the answer, you found me, and you figured out I was your answer. And that's why you can have faith to say this, like the three Hebrew boys, God, if you save us, we'll give you glory, even if you don't. Because you're my healer. My prayer sometimes draws me into a personal relationship with Jesus. God likes me on my knees. He likes the praying me. I look a lot better. He likes the, the me that understands my peace, and I find peace in that. Listen, there's next idea. There's tension to prayer because you're only given a peace. You're only given a peace. Next question. And, and, why don't you have peace? Why don't you have peace? God says, yo, this I'm giving you is your knowledge. It's not all of it. I got all of it. Here's a little peace. Will you find peace with that, my son, my daughter? I'm leading you. I'm guiding you. Find peace with this. Here's the question. Why don't we have peace? Sometimes we don't have peace because we try to control situations. Your prayer turns into God. What can you do to God? What can I do? How can I change my friend? You can't change your friend. You pray for your friend. You walk alongside your friend, but you are not Jesus. God, how can I fight this sin? Listen, God's giving you his spirit. God's giving you his blood. God's giving you his power. You're not fighting off your own strength. You've already lost the fight. Some of us are praying for things. Some of us are, are, are mad because... Or we don't have peace because we can't control the situation. Can I give you simple math? A controlled situation equals a controlled outcome. When I control the situation, when I control all the boundaries, the parameters, how everything works, when I control that, the outcome is always going to be controlled. Because it's my outcome. It's from me. It is out of me. It can't be greater than me. It came from me. And some of us have tried relationships our way, and we've got our relationships and our exes, and our story, and our history, because everything's been us. We've been controlling everything, 
And the issue with some young adults and some youth is that sometimes we come to Christ and we still try to take the, the wheel. We just try to control everything. Can I give you some faith? Uncontrolled situation equals uncontrolled outcomes. So this is crazy. If I have control, I can control the outcome. But if I don't control the situation, I can't control the outcome. Let me give it to you in preacher. Controlled situation is lack of faith. You guys with me? The next slide. It's lack of faith. That's a controlled situation. You take control over it. You take your finances. You take your sin. You take your struggle. You take the thing that you want God to do. And you're like, actually, I can handle it, God. That's a lack of faith. And here's the controlled outcome. It's a natural outcome. It's very natural, very fleshy, very fleshy. When you worship God without the spirit, it's just burnt flesh. Lack of faith leads to something natural, something fleshy. Uncontrolled situations that are actually fueled by faith lead to uncontrolled outcomes that lead to the supernatural. It's simple math. If my hand's in it, it ends up being handsy. <laughs> if my faith is in it, anything can happen. If I can control it, it'll be an outcome that I've seen all my life. But if I give faith into this area, God can do something I've never seen done before. And that's how we find peace. That's how we find peace. Because you lose peace when you figure out you can't control it. You gain peace when you figure out that he's in control. You lose peace when you feel like you can't handle it. You can't balance it. You can't figure it out. You'll never figure it out. If you can help yourself, you wouldn't need a savior. But you need the faith to rise up to say this is an uncontrolled situation. So now something supernatural can happen. God doesn't give you image he gives you the pieces he gives you the pieces you guys got bibles on you y'all got bibles on you i'm asking the worship team to come up we're gonna turn up we're a little early today too hello let's go that's some time i want to read with you book of john chapter 11 by the way next week we're at the hope center come out 8 30 it's gonna be a bunch of fun we're going to end the series, Jesus Wept, next week at the Hope Center. But I want to continue reading last week's reading. I want to continue going. John 11, verses 33 to 43. We pick it up. And, and y'all, please stay with me. This is the moment. We're about to ride this wave on to the end of the service, and we're going to end up doing an altar call and worshiping. It's going to be amazing. You guys ready for that moment? Just already open up your heart. Already, already open up your mind. Break the walls down. Let God do what only he can do. I believe something amazing is about to go down. And verse 33 says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit, and he was troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. So Jesus, he ends up showing up. There's a bunch of people. There's a bunch of things going on. Lazarus is dead. He's in the tomb. Everyone's crying. Jesus looks at everyone. He looks at the situation. He knows Lazarus is going to rise up in the, in the end. It's not that God and Jesus, fully, fully God, it's not that he's crying because he can't do anything. He's crying because the people around him are hurting. He has this, this, this attachment to the people that love him because he loves them, right? And, and it's not that he's crying because he can't handle it. He knows it ends with him rising up. He already told his disciples, he's asleep. I'm going to wake him up. He's weeping because he loves us. And he comes alongside us. And he walks with us. And when you cry, God, he literally catches your tears. He's with you. He loves you. 
And that reveals the heart of God, that he loves you like he didn't see it coming. So, and, and I love this part. This is what's crazy. So that was last week. He said, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? Now they believe because he wept, and, and, and it's not over. But some of them said, could not he open the eyes of the blind man, have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Jesus says, take away the stone. He said, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor. He stank, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. By the way, this is Jesus praying. You need to pray. If Jesus prayed and he was God, fully human, fully God, and he still prayed to the Father, you need to pray to the Father. Father, I thank you that you heard me. God's listening to you. And if he hasn't answered you, it's probably an answer you don't want to hear. And if he hasn't answered you, it's probably because he likes you waiting. He likes you yearning, seeking, desperate on your knees, lurking for the answer from God and desperate. And as you look for the answer, you find out he's the answer. So it says, Father, I thank you that you heard me because God's listening. Not only did you hear me, but I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me, right? So allow these things to happen in people's lives so that belief can rise up and faith can rise up that they may see who I really am. Verse 43, when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. It's probably something like that. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. When I say Lazarus, y'all say come out. Let's try it. Ready? Lazarus? Come out. Lazarus! Come out. Jesus calling a dead man by name. Lazarus, come out. Jesus calling a dead man by name. By, he's specific. And I don't know about you, but when you're carefully specific, it's because you want preferred results. I'm about to get married in a month. Harlem Shake. That's the real Harlem Shake. I know that crazy stuff everybody doing nowadays. This is the real Harlem Shake. Dude's going nuts. Get married in a month, wedding invitations, man, they're, they're a bunch of fun. Um, you see, if you're not specific, if you're not carefully specific, the outcome could be a little annoying. I'd hate to revisit the, no, another one, another one. You guys suck. <laughs> You're carefully specific for preferred outcome. I don't know if any of y'all have MySpace in here. Anybody have MySpace? If you don't know what MySpace is, you're probably not a young adult. Get out of here. No, I'm playing, I'm playing. Just kidding. Just kidding. Anyways. Remember when MySpace had a song you could put on your profile? What? It was all about the song for a long time. I was like, yo, what song? I had, I had, a, I had Heartless by Kanye. That was my song. Anybody else had that song on their MySpace profile? Yeah, you got to be careful what song you pick because the song, if you're careful and you're very careful, you'll get the preferred outcome. I don't know about you, the song is kind of everything about the profile. 
the song gives the vibe, right? You hear like some reggae and you see palm trees. You're like, yo, this guy's profile's pretty thick. It's well put together. Y'all know that. Imagine if Instagram had music like that. That'd be pretty dope, right? Somebody, somebody pitch that and give me, give me a portion of the profit. Haircuts. I mean, you got to be specific with your barber. Specific. For a preferred outcome. If you don't care about the outcome, don't be specific. If you ever, if you ever sat at the barber or went to a hair salon and said, surprise me, I'm praying for you. Because <laughs> I actually decided to go bald today. Sorry, my barber decided for me to go bald. You got to be specific, because when you're specific, you get preferred outcomes. Can I tell you, put it up, why God's Jesus said, Lazarus, come out? Because if he just said, come out, it would have been the Thriller music video. You see corpses, it's like, oh, snap. It's time. You know what I'm saying? They would all start forming out. If Jesus would have said, hey, raise up. Every dead body in the world would have rose up. But he said, no, I'm not going to call everybody out. Jesus is telling you tonight, I'm not talking to the person next to you. I'm calling you by name. I'm calling you because I want you and I love you and you're dead right now. And I'm calling you to life. 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 Pastor, it's dead. This thing in my life, it's dead. Listen, you qualify to be resurrected by Jesus because he calls that dead thing out by name. Tonight on your way home, spiritually, you need to call some things out by name. Spiritually, you need to call some things out by name. And you speak it to existence. Watch what God will do to your faith. Find peace. Just dropped it. In the pieces. Find peace. In the pieces. Is Crystal here? Is she here? How many pieces was this puzzle? 24 pieces? Awesome. I was just curious. It has nothing to do with the message. I was just curious. Find peace with the pieces. Now, for real though, because this doesn't make sense. This has no significance. But this is all we are. A small part of something big. And I'll tell you this much, and I say this to leaders all the time. I'd rather be a small part of something big than a big part of something small. God, this is all I understand. anxiety because you haven't told God about it yet. He's bigger than it. He's bigger than it. Here's the peace, God. I don't understand it. I lay it at your feet. This is what life has given me, God. I lay down the pieces. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand how this is going to work together, but your word says that you work all things together for my good. God, I don't understand it, but I find peace in the pieces because this is connected to something much bigger. God got you. 
tonight, I want you to get a breath of fresh air, man. Like, breathe again. Being Christian is way more simple than what we're doing, yo. Like, it's not trying to put together this puzzle. Like, who is my calling or what's me? And I'm, I'm a robot now because I'm just a conglomeration of what everyone says I am. No, I'm a couple pieces. And God's going to put together this puzzle one day. But until that day, I trust him with the pieces. And I find peace. Here's my prayer. I hope you go to bed tonight saying, God, I don't got to know it all. I don't got to know it all to believe it all. I believe it all. I believe it all. There's nothing impossible for Jesus. Man, if God's ever done anything in your life, would you lift your hands up right now and tell us, say, God, there's nothing impossible for you. Remind me of what you've done in my life. Remind me of how you've delivered me. Remind me of how you've taken me out. And now, God, even in 2019, I'm looking at the pieces that, that were laid down in my timeline. And now, in your presence, it's all making sense. Why I went through that. And why I went through that. And why you allowed me to do that. It's because you needed to humble me. You needed to keep me on my knees. You needed to keep me desperate. You needed to grow me. That's why it happened. And I didn't understand it then. But God, I got a peace. I got a peace. And this is connected to something so much bigger of what I think this is. God, I find peace. I find peace in the pieces. I don't got to know it all, God. You see, when you get to this place of realization of who God really is, your faith will begin to increase. I think faith is like lacked in a lot of people because we don't really know who God is. We don't really know. We don't really know because as we search and we find it, figure out who God is, we gain this spiritual like, like bodybuilding. You with me? Like you got this spiritual beast inside of you that's not going nowhere. Hell and high water, storm, trial, it ain't going nowhere. You're kind of like strong in the Lord. You're strong in your perspective of Him. You're strong in that. Yo, God's got me, man. God's got me. I don't know how I'm going to make it out. I don't know how it's going to happen. People said they're going to hold it down and they left me flat. God, I don't know, but I'm going to find peace because my job isn't to know it all. I can't handle this map. It's too much information. But God gives me turn by turn because that's what I can handle. That's what I can handle. wasn't for one person this message was for everybody because life it's not a matter of if it's a matter of one life will put you on your knees and you either cry and crumble or you will mourn and weep with the God who mourns and weeps alongside you I find pleasure. 
pleasure in that. I find pleasure in helping the one that I love. Why does God allow things to happen? So that he can be God. And to be honest, if everything was all fine and dandy, you probably wouldn't be praying anyways. If God had let nothing happen to you, would you really be desperate for him? So that's one side of Christianity, right? Only seeking him because we're in need. But as you seek him, and as you seek him, and as you seek him, he becomes the answer to every question you'll ever have. Why does he become the answer? How does me not knowing the answer give me peace? Because you're connected to something bigger. He's got the big view. He's got the perspective. And he's got it all from a bird's eye view. He's watching.